But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> uh, everybody good? Here we go? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Video. Off and running. Video. Here we go. Video. It's an audio podcast, and we always talk about videos. Have you seen this video? This video is a guy shooting out the window. This is like from that star. That uh, I was going to say Star Trek. That t- um 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 Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. Thank you, William Shatner. The whole thing, right? Right. right. Um, episode where where he was looking out the window of the wing, and there was a creature out there ripping panels off of the cowling of the engine. Well, there was no creature visible, anyways. Um, but this guy shot video out the window of the uh, front edge of the edge, edge of the wing and the and the cowling and he happened to catch um a panel of the cowling kind of coming open and getting ripped off in the in the jet stream if you will yeah flight attendant ding 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 yeah, i know excuse me uh did you we're see not that? off the ground yet and we're already coming apart <laughs> no sir well, yeah yeah you you've seen that episode way too many times there's nothing wrong with the wing there's no creature out on the wing no really they're really go look but uh but how often do you get donna dixon as a flight attendant oh well there is that there is that yeah so but so this video was you know on the net and is a big deal and it's, it's disturbing enough as it is that this you know I mean, this is pretty serious stuff, right? Or is it? I don't know. I mean, losing a piece of your cowling like that it introduces it'd be, all it'd kinds of It'd be nice to know more about this. Like, where was this? When was this? Exactly. That was exactly my question. Is like, what's the rest of the story? Because this is all we saw in that video, is that the uh, piece of, uh, of panel, it's like it was sort of an access cover that... I'm guessing didn't get latched real well and yeah, it's, it's the, it's and, the, uh, yeah. and, and caught the air and, and got ripped off and disappeared to the rear. But, uh, well, if you follow the link at the top of that page, what does it say? Oh, there's a link. Yeah. It says one lucky passenger caught a truly astonishing clip while pointing a oh. camera out the window of a sky airlines flight from Santiago, Chile to Copiapo. And that was an Airbus a three twenty. Mm-hmm. Okay. This We're means kind of... it's a CF, uh, a CFM 56 engine, I believe. Okay. Oh, and so, but th- does it give you any more information about uh, the what what happened? I mean, they... well, the the link um, is just identifies the flight and and uh, the airline and the, the aircraft type. Um, doesn't say anything about um, any damage, but there's a, apparently a, an after image also mm-hmm. um, of the presumably same cowling because if you look at it, it's the same uh, pieces that are missing from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, but it's in Spanish, and I can't well, tell you right this strict moment what it says. I'll have to conjugate some of that. That's what Google maybe not even Spanish. It could be Portuguese. I've got an English language thing here that says that the the, uh, airplane went around, took off, came back, and landed. Uh, Okay. Okay. Good. 137 passengers, no serious damage. Plane was able to make an immediate emergency landing with no trouble. But it was too late; it had to take off, right? It, it didn't; it couldn't stop on the runway. Well, and you know, usually they don't keep 137 pair of spare underwear at the <laughs> gate. So, well, <laughs> at that particular point in time, unless I don't know how these guys are trained, but if, unless there was a, a fire warning or a definite yawing 
or something like that. It sounded it looked they looked to be pretty close to to flying speed, etc. Um, keep on going. Get that bird airborne and yeah. not mess around. And then see if you got any fire warnings. Then see if you got uh, both engines running. Then see if you got any yaw. And it's kind of hard to tell what you've lost from the cockpit. So get it airborne. You know, finish what you started. And then uh, if you lose a cow, yeah, okay, we're not going to go on, you know, and, and finish this flight. Let's let's go back and land. I've had enough fun for one day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. This uh, it almost looks like the 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 uh, the the similar cowling access cover on the inboard side of this engine was flopping loose oh, as well. It, it is. Well, if, if you follow the link and scroll down, there's another Twitter pic of the inboard. Yeah, the inboard engine cover. A cowling cover, whatever you want to call it, it's gone. Uh huh. And you can see where the the the, the other side, the outboard side, uh, just ripped off. Yeah. Uh, at probably a piano hinge or something. And uh, yeah, that sucker's gone. Yeah. Well, check go. the logs. See who worked on the engine. Somebody's got. Somebody's in trouble. Yep. yep. So. Yep. Yep. Anyways, hey, I, I left the dipstick um, on the. Uh, on the pavement one time. No, actually, I didn't leave the, the oil. Pavement? I feared. I told this story. We stopped. Oh, yeah. uh, we stopped someplace to uh, to get fuel. We were coming home from Oshkosh. This is in my friend in his arrow, and oh, uh, yeah, yeah. and we were coming. And we were, uh, you know, we landed in what was it? I think we we landed in in Pier, South Dakota, North oh, yeah. Dakota, North Dakota, Pier. Anyways, Pier Pier, Pier is is the capital of one of the Dakotas. And uh, so we st- we stopped there, and we got fuel, and we checked the oil as you do, all right. Um, and the two of us were kind of checking the oil together, all right. And then bad, bad idea. We finished. I know, really, such a bear. And then we finished up the whole process. We climbed on board the airplane. We took off, and as we're climbing out, we're horrified to see the oil access cover there on the cowling right in front of us flopping open in the wind, all right. And then we looked at each other, and we instantly both had the same thought: was you put the dipstick back in, didn't you? <laughs> it's like, no, you put the dipstick back in. I don't know for sure whether we put the dipstick back in. Oh, yeah. I think there were two people who just put the dip in dipstick. Yeah, right. So when we went around and we landed uneventfully, and it, and it turns out that one of us had, in fact, put the dipstick back in, so it was fine. we just forgotten to latch the uh, the access cover. Reason 37. That, yeah, exactly. That the, one of the worst things, uh, most unsafe things in aviation is two pilots trying to fly the same airplane at the same time. I, I, That's I, right. I didn't. That, that said, I have done this all on my own. How's that? What? I was, years ago, <laughs> I was, I was um, a private pilot. I had, if I squinted real hard and flapped my wings for 30 minutes or so, I might have had 100 hours total time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm taxiing out at a 172. I'm on a. I'm taxiing out for a cross country. I think I've got a friend of mine. We're going down to Tifton from Athens, which at the time was a big deal. That was like a huge excursion for me. Well, that's um, damn near the whole length of Georgia. Yeah, but not even not really that. It was an hour and a half hop in a 172. Okay, <laughs> and you know this was the this was a big deal and. I, you know, finish the pre-flight, load everything up, get the engine running. We're all belted in. We got our clearance to taxi, and I look out over the cowling as we're rolling down the, run- the taxiway towards the runway, and the oil access door is open. Mm-hmm. And I know the dipstick is in. That's not the issue. But I'm not flying, you know, halfway across the state of Georgia uh, with an open 
four-wheel access door. So I told the tower I was going to shut down and shut down right where I was and got out, fixed it, got back in, cranked back up, and the rest of the trip was uneventful. But been there, done that. And there weren't, I didn't have two-pilot excuse. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, failed to relatch the second cow latch, and I was totally alone. But I was ready to be home after a 10-day swing through uh-huh. three states and uh-huh. was probably not as sharp as I should have been. I only got about quarter mile down the taxiway when a gust of wind made a corner of the cow flap just a little bit. And I went, uh, no, 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 not good. <laughs> Told the tower, stopped. Latched it up, got back in, fired back up. Said, I'm glad I wasn't tied down when I got to the airport. I might have left the tail hooked. I had a passenger leave uh, a little bit of a seatbelt caught in the door and and trailing outside the door and into the slipstream. Took off and got the wheels in the wheel. What is that? And... uh, Finally, kind of, sort of figured out what it was, and also kind of, sort of figured out that there wasn't, there couldn't have been that much of the belt outside the airplane, and it wasn't like it was going to beat itself to death. And we just went on our merry way, and sure enough, you know, it wasn't any big deal. Um, but I, I don't advocate that by any stretch of the imagination. Um, that was the lesser of the evils at that point in time, mm-hmm. just just to keep on going, and it was it was just a seatbelt. Um, so, you know, if it was an oil access door, a, a fuel, uh, a fuel cap or something like that, whole different set of circumstances. Right, right. Yeah. So anyways, oh, welcome folks to <laughs> Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from, uh, it really gets dark early these days. Uh, look out high atop lookout point in uh, beautiful Nottingham, New Hampshire. Um, beautiful, beautiful, uh, 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 Indian summer days here uh, right now, and uh, but uh, it's it's winter's coming. Winter, winter what's they say? Uh, yeah, winter's coming, right? That's the saying from. Didn't it winter. just happen last year about this time? I know every year. It's unlike funny Game of how Thrones, where it happens once every seven or eight or ten years. Has, has this been like you know reported in the media that this winter thing comes around once a year? Uh, it's 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 a quiet scandal. Someone needs to be the whistleblower. I'm here talking to my uh, two good friends about uh, airplanes and and other things uh, out there in the uh, in the the inter internet sphere the interwebs the interwebs is uh that's jeb burnside talking to us from somewhere near sarasota florida how you doing jeb what's going on i am basking i just finished up uh the december issue of aviation safety magazine Mm -hmm. i'm happy to say so uh that and uh i've got a little travel coming up so i've been scurrying around packing and and uh, all that kind of thing and i'm taking a break and i'm sitting here chatting with two good friends of mine very cool very cool any any excitement down there lately you've been uh We'll, t- we'll talk. We'll talk about that. If if oh, uh, really, let me let me see what's on the okay. Uh, if it's still on the list, oh, yeah, okay. we've got a couple of a couple of things to chat about. Exciting wise teasers. I like it. Very cool. Very cool. yeah. You know. Well, then let me say the foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yes. My other good friend out here is uh, uh, Dave Higgin, talking to us from uh, the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas. Hi, David. What's going on? Uh, you're you're. Weather descriptions uh, could be dropped right in here to my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the leaves are coming off the trees. We've on our third straight uh, day where it's been mostly blue, clear, mm. smooth, uh, really nice. Uh, and just working away. Uh, it doesn't seem like anything gets finished for me here lately. I just moved from one thing to the next one. So uh, moving right along. Yeah, yeah. Today is uh, the uh, today's the first full day of 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 uh, standard time. Uh, so it, it got dark an hour earlier today, which always disturbs. I just but it got light an hour earlier. It too, did, and if so. you're a morning person, that's a good thing. And I did get up early this morning to to take advantage of the morning. But nevertheless, it just freaks me out when it gets dark so much earlier. I mean, it's bad enough when it gets dark, you know, the daylight savings time this time of year. But when when you st- switch over to standard time, it's just like. I, I have a modified, well, no, I shouldn't say that, because there are people who have this seasonal affective disorder, and it's really, really bad, and mine's not like that, but it does bother me. I don't like this time of year for that reason. So, anyways, what's going on? We, uh... What did you just send me? I what sent you, that's going to come up later on. I, you, you can try and, you're going to need to download it, I suspect. I, I did download it. And okay. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, you know, okay. And, and you can look at it now, or you can look at it later, but uh, I'll, well, let's see I, now, where I is just, it on the I list? I paused it. We'll, we'll get back to Yeah, that. we'll come okay. back to All that. Right. I just we'll wanted to make back. sure that you had it available. We'll come okay. back to that. That's another right. piece of foreshadowing. See? Oh, maybe that's the episode title, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing repeatedly. Uh, or, Jeb, or, or we could just, you know, kind of telegraph it. Tele- telegraph it. Yes, there we go. Jeb, is this another candidate for uh, UCAP-1? Yes, I want UCAP-1 painted on the side of this airplane. Tell us about this airplane. What is it? This uh, this airplane is is not domestic manufacturer. No. And, and it's a little bit older than perhaps it would be optimal, although it's only a year older than my airplane. Um, this is... Um, Drum roll, please. Mm-hmm. A, a, a 1965. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, a 1965 MiG 21. It's on trade plane. Uh, it's nearby. It's in Immokalee, Florida. Um, it's uh, current and flying, clean, low time airframe and engine. You will not find a nicer um, um, subtype of this MiG 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, 945 hours. Total time since new, always stored indoors, retired from the Czech Air Force in mm-hmm. 1990, registered in the U.S., got its own in number, full logbooks, um, original condition. What, how can you go wrong? I, I know. Oh, and uh, only 133 hours since the engine was made. Right. This is a Mach 2 Plus airplane. Well, there you go, right there. See? Yeah. And it's got a Mach 4 fuel flow indicator. <laughs> That's right. This, this kind of much defines uh, the, the concept of you can never have too much gas unless you're on fire. Yeah, really. There you go. This is one of those jets that, that looks very much like a jet engine with some wings attached to the side of it. Right. it it's, got, it's pretty close to that. You know, I mean, this is basically, you know, like a, a not a, not simply an air take up the front, but an air intake with a, a pointed, you know, sort of cone centered in the middle of it, which I'm sure has something to do with airflow of some sort. But uh, Oh, yeah, it helps slow down the air mm-hmm. coming in when it gets to going really fast. But, it uh, gets pushed back in and cr- increases the volume and the air in more space slows down so it doesn't overwhelm the intake. Mm-hmm. On the SR-71, they have similar cones like that that extend and retract depending on oh, really? what they need. I, I don't know, know they, if yeah, yeah, I don't know if they do that on this airplane or not. Right. 
But it's only 185 grand. Hey, really? You know? And that should include full tanks. Sell a couple more T-shirts. We're good to go. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That was oh, what, what, foreshadowing. This is a foreshadowing, foreshadowing episode. Foreshadowing, 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 foreshadowing episode. Um, MiG-21. What was the MiG-21's mission in sort of real life? What was Bomber it was, interceptors. It was. Did it actually see combat ever? Mm, not against the United States. Well, well, you saw combat over North Vietnam. Yeah, absolutely. It did. Okay, that, that was sort of what yeah. I was getting at here. And, and yeah. 1965. Okay, so it wasn't Korea era, but it was Vietnam. No, it was era. Vietnam era. Vietnam era. Um, there were there were yeah a lot of Mig 21s over North Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was not there, but there were Migs there. It's only got one seat. It's only got one seat and one engine. Well, okay, I guess that that kind of mac, you know matches up nicely, but kind of kind of hard to get the duel that David wants to get. Because, well, <sighs> I don't know, David. I doesn't. That's not true. I know, but I made it up. I said that's yeah, that's okay because the instructor would probably prefer to be on the ground watching anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, MiG twenty one. But if you want to, if you want to get from you know Miami to to Boston in a hurry, this would be the way to do it. This would be the way to do it. No question. No question. All right. Well, we'll add it to the list of possible. Uh, but that will look really good with UCAP one painted on the side of it in place of the that you know, or maybe in front of the the, the numbers there on the side of the. Yeah. Piece right. There. Well, you know, it's like eventually we move into the four digit you know episode numbers thing. So it'll just it will it says thirteen oh nine right now. We'll just change it so it says UCAP thirteen oh nine and. Well, yeah, Somebody do use... the math. When would we? When would UCAP thirteen oh nine actually be published? That's that's about the time we'd be able to afford this. Program. About and about the time that this airplane would be grounded. Yeah, um, right. So, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, all kidding aside, who's going to buy this airplane? Is this going to go into the? No, this will be. A, this would be a warbird some year at at yeah, um, one of these deep pockets uh, warbird guys. Yeah, right. Sure, sure. And uh, one hundred eighty five is not that much money. Uh, I don't know the Warbird market, but no, you can't you know, buy a P fifty one. You couldn't buy a, a quarter of a P fifty one for that. Yeah, one, right. Yeah, you know, so. a, a good running one. No, yeah, but uh, who knows? You know, there's there's all kinds of there, there's Mig fifteens out there, Mig nineteens that we've seen in some of these air shows. Uh, why not a Mig twenty one to go with the F eighty sixes? Yep. So we talk about videos too much on this podcast, but here's one that I don't feel bad talking about because this is a really beautiful video. This is uh, Jeb. You turned us on to this Rhinebeck Aerodrome video. Yeah, what yeah. A bunch of pretty airplanes, and, right? and the the videography was just fantastic. Yes. Um, um, it, it, the, yeah. the post production on it was very good. Also, just just in a very very cool yeah. video. I, they they did an interesting thing with the video, which it, 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 on one level was a little disturbing, but you kind of like put it beside, put it put it behind you, and you're okay. They they a lot of slow motion shots of yeah. these aircraft doing low flybys, and that made it really easy to see these airplanes very well and to kind of see the details, and it's just very attractive. I couldn't for for a while. I had a hard time getting past the idea that these airplanes were going way too slow and they were going to install at any moment now. Yeah, but it's because they were doing slow mo. Um, yeah, some beautiful airplanes. Boy, I'm telling you, what a collection Rhinebeck has. I mean, it's really amazing. What it, a, not only it not only the, the the breadth and scope of their collection, but they're all flyable. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I I a lot of these airplanes I sort of recognize, but don't know the names of. You know, the one that everybody knows the name of is the is the uh, uh, Fokker triplane, right? Um, right. Which a flying Fokker triplane? Who would have even thought that such a thing existed? Right? Exactly. But there oh, we go. we've got one here in town. Do you really? Yeah, very very Seriously? cool. 
Um, you know, just a it's bunch original, of really, but... really, really great clients. And these are like World War One airplanes. All right, we're not talking. These airplanes, these airplanes are 100 years old. Yeah, yeah. So uh, very, very cool. You know, it's funny, too, because I, this is my my neck of the woods, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I've never been to Rhinebeck. But, uh, yeah. um, you know, what what a treasure this place is. And uh, every now and then you, you hear stories that maybe they're having trouble or, you know, and, and hopefully they'll just continue to, to, you know, we should all just make a, go out of our way to go visit some Sunday afternoon and, and check out their thing and buy a T-shirt and support this program. Uh-huh. Cause, you know, there was a period when they would truck down an airplane to Sun and Fun and fly it off the grass strip out right. there next to 927 and got a real thrill, got to shoot uh, air-to-airs of one of them uh, years ago, uh, back when we were still shooting chrome film. And the uh, whole, whole mission lasted less than 16 minutes because the airplane only had about 15 minutes of fuel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There, I, yeah, I mean, I was watching this video thinking, we got to get our friends at EAA to, like, pony up to whatever it takes to truck a whole bunch, or whatever, get a whole bunch of these airplanes to Oshkosh some summer. Because this is just very, very cool, very different, very unlike the air show that you usually see at Oshkosh mm-hmm. and other air shows. Eh, good stuff. Go to go to old Rhinebeck Aerodrome. It's in uh, sort of upstate-ish New York, mid-state New York, whatever you want to call it, um, halfway up the it's Hudson. It's in Rhinebeck, New York. Rhinebeck, <laughs> New York, which is about sort of, in my mind, halfway up the, the Hudson River there um, from New York City uh, towards mm-hmm. Albany. And uh, um, didn't they have a bad fire recently? They did have a fire, and that's what I, one of the things I was alluding to when I said that occasionally we hear them having troubles. But uh, this video is apparently from their final performance, their final air show, if you will, of uh, of last summer. And uh, um, they've obviously still got some great airplanes flying there. So uh, very, very cool stuff. Very cool. Thank you, Jeb. That's a great video. I like yeah, it is. Uh, and, I, like and I don't remember where I heard about it, but probably on DC Pilots list. Yeah. So yeah. whoever turned me on to it, thank you also. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was flying the airlines to one of my uh, day, day day job jobs recently, and the trip involved me um, changing planes in, in Baltimore. I flew from Manchester to Baltimore and then Baltimore to I don't even remember where, Louisville, I think it was, all right? And uh, so um, we're, we're on the approach into Baltimore. Um, it was a nice day. There were some clouds in the sky, but it was relatively, you know, scattered clouds. And uh, and and the common approach to Baltimore is to f- come in from the north and sort of fly along the I-95 corridor. And I know that you look out the window there if you're on the correct side of the airplane and you can see what I think of as Pax River, but I think it's a whole bunch of other, there's just a bunch of uh, military research and, and, and other bases over there, right? So we're, we're flying along the I-95 corridor southbound. I'm on the left side of the airplane, so I can see over in that direction. And I look out the window, and all of a sudden I realize that I'm seeing not one, but two of the aerostats that are uh, tethered there at the uh, air base there, um, or the, the military base there. And I, I, first of all, I was surprised that there were two. We've talked about this in the past, and we, I knew there was one. I didn't realize there were two. And they were there plain as day. You could just see them. I mean, they were off in the distance, but with the naked eye, I could see them just fine. Right, you couldn't see the tethers, of course, but I could see the, uh, the aerostats. Um, they were a bit above the, uh, the level of the uh, airliner at that time, but, uh, but I could see them very clearly. And I whipped out my phone and, and shot some video, and that's what I sent you guys. Um, yeah. 
It's a video that if you look carefully, um, you can see them. And I tried to zoom in towards the very end so that you can see these two aerostats that are just like floating there over mm-hmm. um, the uh, the military base there north of Baltimore. All right. And I, uh, I, you know, I, I tweeted that I did this, and I heard from some other friends, uh, a podcast friends, and one who lives south of Baltimore, and he was talking about how they're always there, and you can kind of see them all the time, and and that's kind of cool. And that was that, and uh, um, and and finished my trip, and coincidentally, I came back through Baltimore a few days later, um, and uh, it was a over, it was a stormy day. Now um, everything was imc and we landed in baltimore and i changed airplanes and went on to manchester and that was that and as i was arriving back in manchester i got a tweet from this same friend who said you were talking about this aerostat before but now one of them escaped and and this became kind of a story this was a thing this was was a thing this was a thing this was in the all in the national news here that one of these aerostats managed to break free somehow and just went on a little joyride around uh, Pennsylvania, which is sort of you know to the to the west of of uh, of the area I'm describing, and uh, it, it was quite a little adventure. It was it apparently broke loose um, with something on the order of 6,500 feet of cable trailing beneath it, and uh, and it and it didn't manage to get higher than 6,500 feet off off the ground, which means that it was dragging this cable along the ground. Which that alone is a little scary, actually. I, I, I something could happen. And yeah, things, that's that, that's that's a big deal. But I, somewhere I saw that it had it had climbed to 16,000 feet. Well, yeah, I according, saw that according too. to this according to this router. Uh, excuse me, according to this Reuters story. Um. Yeah, it went to sixteen thousand feet, but I don't know what that means. Well, is that the? Isn't that the? Wasn't that the number that someone quoted about? That's its normal altitude when it's on its tether. Well, the same story says the maximum recommended altitude is ten thousand. I guess I saw that one too. So there's some some confusion, and then and the reports at the time when this thing was like doing this little joyride because it didn't they didn't manage to get this thing under control right away. I mean, it apparently floated around. Um, you know the the. Uh, that area for a couple hours at least and uh, it was reports at one point that they'd scrambled a couple of f-16s that had eyes on this thing and were kind of keeping it on, on you know and uh, i was trying to picture out how they were going to manage to actually snag this thing short of shooting it down and well, uh, what ha- how did they actually get it did it just kind of like run out of steam so to speak it- and i don't i don't know well i'm sure that will be a report and i'm sure that will be you know some kind of follow-up news story on this down the road i would uh it leaked out to the point where it got down to where it could be shot at and some police department along the route up in pennsylvania were shooting at it with shotguns when from terrain that was high enough i haven't heard that story yeah that's great well, I hadn't heard that it was in it was in the paper here over the weekend. Now, now, see, there are a couple of stories. I, there are a couple of pictures I saw on the net that I didn't send you links to. But there's a there's one picture of it near the ground. It, it had descended at a point where it was basically floating. You know, its its length above the ground, so to speak. All right, but it was and it, and it looked like it was a little flat, a little you know, saggy, like it had lost some of its inflation, but it was still inflated. And then I saw another picture that appeared to show it 
as if it had a as if it was a balloon that just burst you know that kind of shredded right yeah. and then they had caught it just as it had burst and it was and so i wonder if maybe that's when they somebody took a shotgun to it and uh, popped it you know but could well be apparently well be. it knocked out power from a whole bunch of uh, homes dragging dragging that cable as it did it, fairly indiscriminately i would guess it probably took down a few power lines the number i saw was like twenty thousand customers mm. were out were out of had lost power because of this mm-hmm. at one point or another in the day, and I presume all of that's been resolved uh, since then. This was earlier in the week, uh, or I should say, late, late last week. Um, but I, two 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 things come to mind in, in what we've heard about this story and this event. What were the F-16s going to do? Exactly. You okay. Know. Well, were they going to? Were going to shoot it down? Well, okay, um, you're going to let loose a bunch of rounds from the the cannon on an F-16. You only you only need one, right? And a, a blimp is kind of hard to miss. But how many rounds are you going to let go out of that? And where are they going to land? Yeah, exactly. You know, okay. so I don't know. But it, the other thing is, they were having so much trouble tracking it. Why didn't they use the other one? Yeah, I know, right? Well, yeah, I don't know. That, I mean, that's a question that a lot of people are asking, right? Is that is this this multi-million, maybe multi-billion dollar device didn't have the ability to be deflated and controlled remotely? Right. Well, it supposedly has, has that capability built into it. Yeah. But for some reason, it didn't work. Go figure, huh? There you go. <laughs> yeah, just like the tether didn't work. The thing I don't understand is how did these F-16s have eyes on this thing when it was really pretty serious IMC day out in that part of the country? It right? looks like it. Now, I don't know how. Okay, I, you know, you know how you get emails from people on topics of the day, mm-hmm. and, and then well, I got one from somebody or somewhere along the way here that said something. Somebody was on the frequency. Uh, Might have been an RJ crew or something like that, and basically, ATC told them to make a one eighty. Whatever their heading was right now, turn around. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll work something out here in a minute. But for the time being, there's a um, a loose surveillance blimp, and they're sending F-16s after it, and you need to get out of there. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, after the 180s complete, they're like, wait a second. Um, you said we, we're in solid IMC up here, and you're telling us there's a balloon in this same airspace. How are the F-16s going to find it? The controller's going to, like... Dude, we don't know. We just work here. Yeah. So I wondered whether the hardware that's housed in that might not have produced enough return for it to show up on the F 16s. Maybe. I kind of wonder it, about aircraft that. Aircraft radar. Yeah. yeah, I kind of wonder about that too. I mean, you don't, you don't really need to, to stealthify. Uh, that kind of uh, yeah, because it's on the craft. charts, man. Yeah, we, I mean, we, well, and not so much on the charts, but until you know the cable breaks, we kind of sort of know where it is. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's it's a thing. You know, and, and it goes up and down. I was told years ago to uh, try to help control the stress on the tether. So if the wind gets too too strong up high, they'll crank it down to take off some of the weight that's on that. Is the less weight that the balloon or the the, the aerostat supporting, the, the less strain on the line was the, yeah, the way it was sense. explained. Right. Yeah, and but, they also want to keep it from drifting out of, uh, I think, a five mile circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, no. So it'll go up and down, and ten thousand's the maximum, uh, and that's a fairly still day. Uh, dragging one big long ground strap. Yeah, is what they were doing. I, you know, I mean, it's a good thing it went out through the middle of Pennsylvania because if it had wandered through a, you know, like a, a built-up area, I mean, it, it'd be like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it could have got ugly. I mean, it was moderately <laughs> ugly as it was, but uh, anyways, uh, yeah, apparently the, uh, you know, the powers that be are now a little concerned about the, uh, the, the. The prudence, if you will, of this whole program, and and, and no, yeah, right. I'm what? shocked. A couple of people. I can't imagine this is a billion dollar balloon, but th- that's where some headlines refer to it as being a billion dollar program, which I guess it could be a billion dollar program. Well, now billion dollar program, that's probably not too far off yeah. because this, this when you Reuters- talk about the program, you're talking about a lot of aerostats and all the ground infrastructure, yeah. Yeah. the winch and all that. Uh, but individually, they're nowhere near that kind of money. Because how many of them have we got up now? Well, more than well, one one fewer one than less. Yeah, one less <laughs> fewer now, right? I know yeah. than we did a week ago. <laughs> you know, but, I mean, but this same Reuters story says it's part of a two point eight billion right. dollar yeah. program. Yeah, so it's just yeah. Anyways, well, I saw them when there was still two. <laughs> there aren't two anymore, and uh, I have video to prove it. Well, I have, you know, I, the romantic side of me says that this blimp had just felt so tied down yes, for, that's, for so long, uh-huh, yeah. and it finally decided that I can fly. I can fly. It's I a, can leave. It's a Jonathan Livingston Seagull kind of thing. Exactly. You know, exactly. it needed to break free. Now, Jeb, I want to know because this is we're we're, we're we're this is a uh, episode title rich environment this this week. Um, did you make up this headline that you put on the list, or did you read this someplace? Which headline? The the headline? I kind of sort of came across that. Headline. Okay, all right. Well, it's still a good one. It's you, still a great headline. On, the, on on our little list, Jeb had Jeb headed this little particular item. He said, "Fled Zeppelin, fled Zeppelin." That's very very good. I like that a lot. Anyways. Um, let's see what's going on here. Oh, you know, so when we go out at the, we go out to shows, when we are at Oshkosh and Sun and Fun mm-hmm. and a few other places, mm-hmm. we will occasionally be seen wearing our little gray, uh, UCAP shirts. We have these right. little shirts that got made a long yeah. time ago and they've got the UCAP logo on them. They're kind of cool. And I'm very proud to kind of like wear my gang colors when I go out into the, right. into the world. Um, I also, I'm pretty sure someplace around here, I have a UCAP uh, coffee mug, which we made as a little limited, uh, limited uh, edition thing at some point. And, uh, um, and, and listeners over the years have, have said, you know, well, why don't you like do something more? Because, you know, because you should do something more. So Jeb, should we do something more? We, we probably should do something more. And, and, and back in the day, I think I had 10 mugs made up, 10 of those shirts, and then 10 other shirts, T-shirts made up and and distributed them amongst the three of us and i think uh amy and um james got one yep a few other special friends a few other special friends got them and they're the supplies long since been exhausted and um see now we should re-up this we should you should we should up our game a little bit on this so we have done that um it's very much in i would call it beta uh, but no longer in alpha Mm-hmm. Um, and we have something. Drum roll, please. Yep. Uh, yep. Oh, another um, drum roll. Ooh. Drum roll. There we go. Shazam. Um, the UCAP swag store. Yeah. Is 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 being announced 
on this episode of the podcast. Um, we starting, we're starting out small. Mm-hmm. This is a, a shop on uh, the website Gallery, which is G-A-L-L-O-R-E-E.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, UCAP Swag Store, um, there'll be a link in the show notes. Can you imagine such a thing? Yeah, I know. Huh? Um, we we try and to, tell people to link, but it's kind of yeah, a complicated link. It, it's, so. very, it's a very complicated link. You have to click the show notes or, or uh, maybe someone will speak it into a microphone towards the end of this episode. Who knows? But we've got some T-shirts up. We've got some coffee mugs up. Um, we're we've got some ideas for some other stuff. Um, we're going to be you know chip, kind of chipping away at this. Um, but if you ever wanted a T-shirt that you know said something to the effect that we're, we're reaching the end of our allotted time, or of course time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Or just I've the heard uh, that yeah yeah. Um, my favorite is is uh, on the theme. You know, we talk about well, you know, would Dave fly that? You know, we talk about a specific airplane mm-hmm. or, or something like. Would Dave fly that? And my favorite here of all, out of all the coffee mugs so far is not even Dave would, Dave fly, would that. fly that. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. So we're going to come up with some other stuff here, but we're we got to walk before we can crawl. Yep. And um, if uh, any of our listeners uh, want to check it out, we'll have the link. And, and if you're excited about it, if you, even if you're not excited about it, um, maybe it's a good Christmas present for somebody you might know. Mm-hmm. Um, check it out. Or you um, can drop the hint on somebody that yeah, you want to yeah, give it to you. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There you go. And if you have, especially if you have some, some, if you see something or you don't see something, let's put it that way. If you don't see something you want, let us know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. And, and, that's one of the beauties of these these uh, online right. uh, vending places is that we can cook up new ones uh, on the spur of the moment. So uh, we get a small stipend out of this. I'm not going to be altruistic about any of this. We do get a small stipend out of this, but this is official uncontrolled airspace podcast merchandise. There you go. There you go. Okay. All right. I'm going to read this URL, and I'm going to apologize in advance. This is a really ugly, not ugly, but a complex URL. You really want to go to the show notes and find it. Um, I mean, we'll put it in the forums probably as well. But uh, I'm going to try and read it here. We're going to put a link on the UCAP website also. On, on the homepage, for sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. So that's probably the best place to go is look at the homepage. But I am going to try and read it here. Gallery, G-A-L-L-O-R-E-E dot com. All right, that's how it starts. Gallery dot com. Actually, www dot gallery dot com. And it's slash shops slash UCAP dash swag dash store dash dash 3523 slash index.php my apologies nasty nasty url good service though you you actually did a research you did a lot of research here jeb and i I credit you for this um you 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 sampled a whole bunch of these kinds of there was a couple of them that are you know fairly popular and and fairly well and i could not make them work like i wanted there was jack you even got on the horn we talked about this problem we were having with the formatting of the, uh, one the of custom them the most store web, yeah, the, the, one of the more well known. Yeah, I couldn't get um, I couldn't get uh, support. Um, they wouldn't give me the time of day in an email. Yeah, and it's like, all right, well, I'm not going to mess around with this. So this is uh, a place to start. We're certainly interested, and in, certainly would be entertaining to to check out some other sites that do the same kind of thing. Uh, and as I say, this is this is a walk before you can run uh, mm-hmm. uh, deal. 
Uh, if uh, there's some things that you like, feel free. Uh, if there's some things that uh, you would like but you don't see, feel free to let us know. Absolutely. Yeah, send your send your comments about this, um, whether or not you choose to buy something. Send your comments to a podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com, and uh, we will uh, um, evolve this as time goes on. But uh, get yeah. your swag now. It's there. That's right. It's there. That's right. <laughs> Hey there, young fella. You flying a model airplane? No way, old man. It's a quadcopter. Well, you're flying up a storm there, ain't ya? Check it out, guys. Hey, dude, haircut at 12 (laughs) o'clock. He better never actually leave the ground. Well, um, uh, I hope you're being a responsible pilot there, young man. Oh, yes, sir. Never above 300 feet. Uh, well, boys, you need to know a few things that real pilots know, like... Hey, uh, dude, I'm a real pilot. See my plane? Uh, like the members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are speaking as private individuals. Uh, what the fuselage, exactly. (laughs) And that their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with. Hey, look at the downlink. There's a plane coming straight at us. Cool. Oh, good grief. Now, boys, anything that sounds like advice on airplane operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation. Remember your training, that is, if you ever get any, and fly the airplane, a quadcopter thingy. Oh, man, he just missed us. Hey, give me that green laser we bought online. Oh, my word. Jeb, uh, yeah. What's this Stratix thing? This is that's that's it's a very cool thing. Actually. You like this? What is it? I, I, it's um, it's a do-it-yourself ADSBN receiver. Okay. Okay. Now this is serves the same function as a GDL thirty-nine, which is a portable receiver from Garmin, which is about six or eight hundred dollars, depending on the model. Um. Aperio saw systems um, Stratus 2 is, is kind of the top of the line. It's um, now in 2S version. It's $900 retail. Um, for $110, I put together the same basic thing, and they both work with ForeFlight on an iPad. Uh, it's called Stratix. It uses a Raspberry Pi microcomputer. Some would call it a, a hobby computer, mm-hmm. but it's 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 a real computer. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses an eight gig memory card. It uses an, uh, a USB um, software defined radio as a dongle, and it uses a, a Wi-Fi dongle off the USB. Add some battery power. One of these um, um, battery packs that you might carry around to recharge your cell phone in the middle of the day. And Shazam, you've got a uh, little ADSB in receiver. Really? Yeah. For for in this case, about one hundred and ten dollars delivered. Now, have you actually assembled one of these? I have. I've put it together. I have pictures of it. I have pictures of it um, doing its thing. Screenshots of it doing its thing in my airplane within the last three days. Very very cool. Yeah. Very very cool. Yeah. yeah. So this um, now, how does this fit into the picture of the ADSB requirement and so forth? Or is this just a useful tool, or does this meet the requirement? This, this is a useful tool. This does not even come close to meeting the requirements. This is ADSB in, which is uh, traffic and weather information, flight information. They call it. Uh, so you've got nearby traffic that 
shows up through the ADSBN system, which is a disclaimer of sorts. Plus, you've got uh, NextRad weather, you've got text weather, you've got TFRs um, on compatible software on your uh, on an iPad or an Android. And um, as I say, the receivers, the commercial um, receivers from Garmin, from uh, Aperio, etc., are several hundred dollars a piece, even used uh, off of eBay. But for a buck ten. Um, which is kind of a night on the town around here, um, you can get one of these for your very own. Um, we'll see how it works in the long run. I I'm quite honestly was a little bit impressed with it. I was somewhere between 500 and 1,000 feet off the ground here at Hidden River uh, testing this out. I had put it together, had a fully charged battery. I'd used it before, so I knew it was, it was talking to, to the uh, iPad. And I'd kind of gotten some good indications of it on, on a previous flight, but I was busy with some other stuff on that flight, so I didn't really have time to, to investigate it. But uh, the test flight I flew over the weekend, um, between 500 and 1,000 feet off the ground, it was alive. It was giving me data. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, we got good ADSB coverage in this area, but it's not all the way to the ground. Um, and... It, it did everything I, it was supposed to do. I've flown with, with the Stratus. I've got a Stratus. Um, did the same thing. I've flown with the GDL39. Did the same thing that both of those receivers do. And uh, it can't beat the price. I'm going to play with it. So I'm not saying it's the end-all and be-all. Mm-hmm. But if, if someone is, is curious about what ADSBN actually is and what it can do, and they've got an old tablet laying around with some compatible that they can put some compatible software on. It's a fairly cheap, easy way to get into that and yeah. see what see what all this is about. And for someone who doesn't fly that frequently, or or you know the, the airplane itself doesn't even have an electrical system, and and you need something battery powered, or you just need something to to see if it works, this would be a good option there also. Um, the antenna is kind of wonky. Um, but I put this thing together, Velcroed it together, charged the battery, hooked the antenna to it, put it in the back seat of my airplane, and went flying. And it worked. Very cool. Now, I should it's just... slick. Like, very yeah. slick. Yeah, really. I, I should point out that... So you you are not... Although you're not like a serious uh, DIY guy, you, you you have some experience along these lines. You've, you've I, built I computers have, from scratch and things yeah, like that. Yeah, so. I have, I have some, some command line experience from the old DOS days, for example, and things like that. Um, but this was pretty simple. There's all kinds of resources online. Um, the link here is to a Reddit uh, thread. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, reddit.com slash r slash stratix. Stratix is S-T-R-A-T-U-X. Uh, stratix being a combination of Stratus from uh, Aperio and the Linux operating system on which the, the software here is based. Yeah. Uh, right now, this works on 978. There is uh, the capability to plug in a second uh, um, of these USB um, uh, software-defined radios and set the software to run it also, but run it at the 1090 frequency. Mm-hmm. 
and another one of these little software-defined radios, one of these little SDRs that, that pops into a USB slot, is about 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's off-the-shelf hardware. Mm-hmm. The, the software is what makes it all work. Um, but it's an option. Yeah, it sounds it's, cool. It's, and it, it sounds pretty cool, and yeah. it, it does work. It works. Uh, and uh, Our, I got, as I say, I got pictures. I got pictures in the in the December issue of uh, Aviation Safety Magazine. That's what I was going to ask you. Okay, yeah. so the December yeah. issue. All right. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, that, that's and there's, uh, there's video on YouTube about this, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not the first one that that has has said anything about this or or whatever. But uh, it, the damn thing does work. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll get Jeff to put some links in the uh, show notes, and uh, you'll have some uh, some uh, examples of this. And uh, very cool. That's very cool, David. Anything you want to add to all this? No. Okay. Wow. That's like <laughs> right there. All right. It's a. It's a, it's like put a stake in the ground. There we go. His Hillary Clinton moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if that's <laughs> like I said, it's a target. It's a title-rich environment this this week. Um, we haven't done this recently. I, I guess we haven't done it in a little while. We skipped a week because of scheduling. What's the story, Jeb? This is a this is a Jeb list this week. All right, but um, Jeb, what's the story with this cloud? What makes this the best cloud seeding story you'll ever read? Because, um, when was the last time you read a cloud seeding article? Oh, oh, all right. Well, that's there's that. All right. Okay. What's the story? Uh, what's the, it, what's it, going this on? This is a, a cloud seeding operation operating in India. They're using a, a King Air V two hundred. They have these rockets, literally attached to the wing and pointing after the airplane and the, at the trailing edge of the wing uh, that seed the clouds. They got twenty four cylinders. Um, on this airplane, 12 on each wing of these, these kind of rockets. And they're shooting these chemicals into the, into the air trying to make it rain. And I just think that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. Other than the night air show at Osh, or night air shows and uh, a few other options uh, uh, in the military, where do you get to fire off fireworks from an airplane? Okay. Exactly. Yes. That's, I don't know what would happen if you did that from the, from the debonair. But, uh, well, you can always do it once. Yeah, right, exactly. You can always do it once. So, uh, yeah, you like that cl- cloud seeding? How does this work? Because the the story references flying through some nasty weather. I mean, do you have to fly through nasty weather to seed the clouds? This is I to would, seed the clouds in order to make it rain, right? That's what we're well, talking. about. I would about. suggest to you if, if you have a bunch of nasty weather, you probably don't need to seed the clouds. Yeah, right. Isn't uh, that what the story the references here? I, I was. It says, uh, it says, uh, someplace here I saw, pilot, most, the, the lead paragraph here says, quote, most pilots are trained to avoid these storm systems. All right, we are trained to enter them. So uh, maybe that's no. just sort of a lead trying to grab your attention, and it's really not the heart of the story. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, and well, this, the same writer talks about how small the, the, the King Air 200 is and, and things like that. So, um, yeah. So. And the idea about getting in the updraft of yeah. that of that cube is that when he turns loose of the uh, sodium chloride flares, the chemicals get sucked up and go up even faster, create the temperature change that they need to start it raining. Mm-hmm. If it's not real moist, it can reach an equilibrium without ever shedding a drop of water. 
then it just becomes a big uh, thermal becomes a big downdraft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was watching so, the Weather Channel about uh, maybe a week ago now when that that big hur- was it Patri- the big hurricane that came on shore on the right. west coast on in Mexico. Patricia, Patricia, Pamela, I believe it Pamela. was Pamela, something like it, it was a P. Um, and uh, and one of the things that made it notable was that it had like two hundred mile an hour winds, right, right, which is crazy high winds for a hurricane. And uh, the Weather Channel uh, reporters were commenting on this and said these are real readings; these are not like radar readings. They actually somebody flew into this thing and right, measured yeah. two hundred and five mm-hmm. miles an hour winds. And I'm thinking, holy moly, you know these hurricane hunter folks that fly into. Uh, Take some hair. Uh, yeah, apparently had a seriously, seriously small eye, and as a result, they, I mean, it was just like, it was, yeah, it was a thing, all right? But it's going to be happening more and more these days as, uh, as the weather changes. But uh, Sitting at an airport a couple of years ago with the weather channel on and hurricane season and the... Uh, the uh, meteorologist was talking about the uh, storm uh, storm pilots flying into these hurricanes, and the guy sitting next to me says, "Why can't they make all the airplanes out of that same stuff?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a question of making the airplanes out of that stuff. It's like you don't want to be in that airplane. Sure. Um, well, those airplanes are armored up. Uh, okay, well, I can believe that for sure. Yeah. But yeah, they, we've had them. Uh, we've had smaller storm chasers visit here, in uh, flying heavily armored T twenty eights. Yeah, yeah. With all yeah. the computer recording equipment in the back seat, and uh, you know, they had extra layers of stainless steel over the pushrod tubes on the engines, for example. Really? How does that help? Well, it keeps hail from bending, oh, okay. bending a pushrod tube and maybe interfering or uh, causing an oil leak to start. Uh, the leading edges were armored, uh, extra heavy aluminum uh, hardened. Uh, it, it was a much heavier than standard airplane. Uh, also had all these things to collect water and collect sleet and hail and take air samples and... Amazing piece of machinery. I wouldn't want to do the job. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting story. Jeb, Jeb just sent us an, a link to a story uh, from uh, Wired.com, headlined, uh, A Flight to the Top of the Most Powerful Hurricane Ever. And it's talking about this, uh, let's see now, I can confirm whether it's Pacific, Patricia. Patricia, it's is, Patricia. Patricia yeah. is the name of the hurricane. Um, that's not, I, When I think of hurricane hunters, I think of the uh, C-130, no, not C-130s, the uh, P-3s. Right, um, but this is not that. This is we saw this airplane. Isn't this an airplane that we saw at Oshkosh this summer? What, what's this airplane? It, that's a that's a WB fifty seven Canberra is what yeah, this particular Canberra. image is. Um, there may I don't know if it could have been this one. I know that there was a, a B fifty seven at, at Oshkosh recently. Um, this summer there was a because it had a really I'll distinctive take your, I'll take wing your word form. For it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a, a kind of a um, mirror image taper. The um, uh, both trailing and leading edges tapered uh, at basically the same angle, but they're fairly long, high aspect wings, and it's it's at excellent high altitude. Uh, it routinely flew flew at you know fifty thousand feet in operation. 
when it was being, yeah. when it was operational, I should say. This is a cool story, Jeb. I'm going to have to make a note and look yeah. at this later on. And, I just uh, saw, I didn't, I didn't just, I saw it in passing earlier today and never read it. I was like, while we're talking about this, let's see if I can find it. Sure yeah. enough, there it is. I'm going to add it to the list here so Jeff can put it in the show notes. Uh, there we go. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, well, anyway, so we've kind of now undercut the uh, best cloud seeding story you'll ever read a little bit, but uh, they're all pretty cool. They're all pretty cool. These people who fly intentionally into this nasty weather, you know, good for them. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. What do we got here? So I just want to make, I, I want to touch on this story. It's way too early for us to be talking about this story. Um, we know almost nothing about what really happened, but it happened yesterday, and I just kind of wanted to mention it real quickly. Oh, you're um, talking about the uh, Airbus? The Russian mm-hmm. airliner, an Airbus, um, that crashed in Egypt. Um, and and the reports coming out is that it wasn't the result. That they seem to be relatively uh, 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 reasonable reports that it wasn't the result of ground fire or some sort of attack. Everyone thought it was terrorism at first, and it's now appearing that it wasn't terrorism for a couple of different reasons. Um, that this airplane broke up in the air. That's pretty clear. Um, yep. and, uh, uh, came down, spread over a long area. Uh, and there's talk about whether or not there was old damage as a result of a wing of a tail strike, excuse me, like 15 years ago that maybe, but now they're not saying that maybe that that's not what it is. And, and it's yeah. not clear. No, no, what, nobody has a clue. It's not at all clear yet what happened. We've, we've, the Russians have said it couldn't possibly have yeah, been that's, a mechanical failure. Right. The, the Egyptians said, you know, there's no terrorist activity over the flight path under the flight path um airbus says we don't know what the heck right and the, the airline says well, it's not our fault well you know they're they're kind of wrong on that but um no one knows what right happened. no one knows yet it's it, really it, too it, early it, the, the facts are the, the wreckage is spread over i read a 10 square uh, 10 square kilometer area yeah which sounds like a a, a mid-level breakup right. as opposed to a high-level breakup and uh um, well, there are pictures floating around that show most of the tail in one piece as if it broke off of the uh, fuselage in mm-hmm. flight. Yeah, the, the pictures, you don't, there's not one picture of all the wreckage. No. There's a, there's a picture, here's a section of a fuselage, here's a section of, or here's part of the tail, what's left of the tail. You don't see anything that purports to be the cockpit. You don't see much of the rest of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it's it's all very curious right now. It is I, very curious. There's another uh, website that's reporting. Um, th- so there's apparently some sort of website or service or system or whatever that um, records ADSB data. Right. And that's and it go. it claims to have a, a, an ADSB track of the altitudes of this aircraft in its final moments and right. and it acknowledges that this kind of information is not very very precise but what it seems to show is that this airplane was climbing out relatively normally and then suddenly began to experience extreme altitude um, variations ups and downs um, and so that's kind of an interesting thing that for some reason, this airplane started to go up and down dramatically, like thousands of feet within a very short periods of time. 
So that's kind of an interesting little fact. Didn't really. wouldn't do cloud seeding, was it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, you know, time will tell. And, and by the time people are listening to this, there's going to be a lot more data already out about this. So I don't want to talk about it too much. But I'm curious what you guys' questions are about this. What would you like to know more about of this? You know, what, what are the, the, the sort of question marks on, on this event so far, if any? Um, what the weather was I, like. Yeah, I can't imagine Egypt weather over that part of Egypt this time of year is going to be all that hazardous. Uh, there, the, the, what I saw, again, this is on Flight Radar 24, I think, was the website. Uh, and I'm trying to find that uh, right now as we talk. Uh, because I saw that I saw that plot. I, I presume you did also, Jack. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's it's fugly. It yeah. is, although but, but, it's a graph that was kind of squashed yeah. laterally, so you, you, you don't really know. You but, have to look at the time, you know, the time uh, stamps and that kind right, of thing. Yeah. But but even in even so, um, um, although one thing I found interesting about that data was that it didn't say it didn't indicate that the airplane was cri- climbing normally and then fell out of the sky. It talked about it going up and down repeatedly for a short period of time. Yeah, there there was definitely a lot. If if the data is accurate, exactly. Let's, let's, yep. Okay, for, let's 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 back up. Um, this is apparently ADSB data and. Um, for the life of me, I don't know why, but I'm, I would be skeptical of it at this point in time without, without some, some verification. Um, so with that as a disclaimer, basically showed several um, three, 4,000 foot per minute pitch excursions um, leading to a climb and then uh, the end of the data as opposed to a dive in the end of the data, which is of, right. of interest also. I, 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 if we wanted to pause this, maybe I could find that, that image and, and whatnot. But yeah, I no, I, 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 mean, I can't do it's, both right yeah, now. Yeah, but it's very but anyway, preliminary. Yeah, it's, no, okay. it's not. You know, yeah. let's, but okay. it, it's, it's, it's an interesting question and it's something it's to follow up on. Well, the other so, thing, though, too, is there could have been some mechanical failure or some kind of failure that caused, in part, that data to be corrupted mm-hmm. and yeah. the flight could have had a completely different trajectory sure is, is part of the point yeah david you're trying to jump in here well i was just going to uh, mention that uh, uh the adsb data that you're talking about uh that altitude information would originate on that airplane in that part of the world with a mode s transponder mm-hmm. because that's what's uh the uh Standard over there, yep. the ADSB out uses MODES transponders. They don't have the uh, universal access transceiver and the uh, 978 option that we have here. So that would have been pretty much coming from uh, the originating with the transponder, and it's going to be accurate within what a couple of hundred feet. Yeah, um, it's going to be nominally accurate like that. Um, what the uh, flight data recorder will show will be uh, probably more precise. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Is is until we get the flight data recorder data and get a reasonable uh, um, download from it, it's all it's all speculation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's not take this much further. Yeah. I, I am curious to hear if you have any reaction to this report of a. F- like 14-year-old tail strike that may or may not have been repaired properly. It's happened before. Mm. Yeah, it has. 
uh, Japan, I think, was it all, all Nippon or Japan? That it was, was Japan running Airlines. 740, yeah. Japan, the 747 shuttle that they used. And it had a tail strike that uh, uh, warped the uh, aft pressure bulkhead. And the airplane was ferried back to Seattle, or Renton, I'm sorry, uh, Everett. And the airplane went into the shop at Boeing. And the pressure bulkhead was repaired and flew along for a considerable uh, period of time uh, until the flexing and contracting of the pressure vessel kind of overworked the uh, repair. And the repair wasn't done apparently up to standard and the pressure bulkhead blew out. And when it blew out... the air escaping went up into the uh, vertical stab and blew it off. End of story. The airplane flew into a mountain from there. Right. So had no rudder, had no vertical, had had, had no had no uh, no control. Yeah. Well, unless uh, you guys... there was a, there was another yep. um, transport category. I don't remember the type uh, transport category airplane since the the uh, Japan Airlines crash. Um, I don't recall the type. Uh, but there's, as I say, that's happened before. Um, I'm not aware of it happening on the Airbus fleet. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we'll the next episode, by the time the next episode gets recorded, we'll probably know a little bit more about this, and we can maybe well, talk about it a little bit more. The thing to remember about old repairs is that airliners like that undergo a lot of physical and temperature stress that we don't normally see in piston airplanes. For example, the pressure vessel expanding when they get up at altitude because of the internal pressurization and the minus 30, 40, 50, 60 degree temperatures uh, it has an effect on the metal over a long period of time. That's mm-hmm. why they have these aging airplane inspection programs. Yeah. So, anyways, we'll, we'll talk about this more in the future when we I know. I sent you all a link to that guy. I just saw that. Yeah, Jeb, thank you. You sent that. That uh, This is a day, the uh, vertical speed of the aircraft um, according to the ADSB data, which is 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 uh, is what it is. And uh, it, it, it so it was doing fine. It was uh, it was ascending at a pretty, pretty steady rate. And then all of a sudden, a big descent, and then an up, and then a down, and then a big up, and then a big down, and ups, and then a big up. And and then a da- and then you know yeah. and then that's when the data ends. So uh, big mystery, big mystery. And uh, well, convection's been known to do that kind of stuff. To I aircraft. guess maybe, but and sure. it is over the desert, so you never know. But um, um, time will tell. Time will time tell. tell. We'll see what happens here. We're starting to reach the end of our allotted time here. Um, drones. What's this drone story? Is this? Uh, we're not a drone podcast. We'll save. The, is there something you wanted to say here, Jeb? This is. No. Uh, they're talking now. This is like ongoing thing about drones being more and more regulated. They're wanting end numbers or some sort of tail number on them. Maybe it's not an end number, but a tail number of some sort. And they're talking about registering every drone, which I just want to see how that works. This is just going to be, you know, it's like I own six drones. No joke. All right. I probably own six hobbyist level drones. Am I supposed to register them all? How does that work? I don't quite understand it here. We're still waiting on the final answer. To yeah, those right. Well, you know? do, do we even have enough in numbers? I, exactly right. It's a, well, it's a Y2K change, thing all they're over They're going to have to change the limits. Yeah, if they right. Do that. You know, so there's that and, uh, so I don't know drones. It's drones. I, I we've talked about drones. Well, you want to anything you want to add to this, or should we can move on here? 
I don't think that they're going to be required to have an end number on them. But isn't there some talk about having some sort of have identifier? A, have, a, have a make, model, and a registration number yeah, from, okay, well, you know, a number baked, in, some baked sort. into it so they know who bought it. Yeah. Yeah. After that, you know, I don't A metal think data plate so it will survive the post-crash fire. Right. right. And, uh, yeah, it, so it will survive getting sucked into that CFM-56. <laughs> exactly. That's the one. <laughs> that's, you know, the, that's the one we want. Yeah, to that's the one. Where we're, that's the real horror. I'm all, all kidding aside, that's the horror story. Um, and uh, so drones it just continues to get crazy and uh, it's i don't know there's a joke in there someplace but i can't find it yeah, yeah. finally um so i and i don't know if this is a big story but uh, who put this on the list here? i did jeb did yeah I, was, I, jeb think it's a, I think it's a great story yeah so <laughs> i was gonna maybe call it use it as a shout out but all right, Airlines of America, right? Airlines for America. What is it? Airlines, Airlines for, to America. A4A. used to be A4A, A4A right, Air yeah. Transport Association. This is basically the airline's sort of big lobbying group, their right. industry association, right? Yep. And and this is the same organization that kind of went a little nuts back at Oshkosh time about what? About uh, third-class no. medical exemption. No. no. Different. No. That okay. was ALPA. Forget oh, yeah, ALPA. I didn't say that. All right. So um, Delta has announced that they're withdrawing from A4A. Why? Well, Delta <laughs> is, is not happy, uh, disagrees, I guess is the punchline. They disagree with A4A's push for user fees. Uh, at, at, I don't know how strong the disagreement is. I don't know what the de- details of the disagreement are. I don't really care. Right. So just just to be clear here, A4A it believes there should be user fees or should not be user fees. That would be my recollection. Yeah, A4A yeah. wants user fees. Wants user fees. It, okay. User fees and privatization of air traffic mm-hmm. control. Okay. And Delta says no, that's not a good idea. Delta says I think basically the privatization part is not a good idea. Yeah. And and has had a policy difference with the organization. So Delta said, you know, under the bylaws that under which it joined A4A, I've got like uh, we have to give you six months' notice that we're pulling out. We're giving you that six months' notice. A4A came back and said, "Don't worry, well you can leave now. Thank you very much." Which ends a five million dollar dues payment from uh-huh. Delta folks in Atlanta to uh, A4A folks inside the Beltway. And I'd be interested to see how the staff gets adjusted after that. Well, you know, but it makes me wonder, if Delta's paying $5 million a year, what's United and American Airlines paying? That's, that's kind of well, American... in the same ballpark. We should be and in the A4A business. That's what we should be let in. Let me open this link, because the, the, the political intrigue here is a little... Is a little uh, intri- uh, interesting. Intriguing, right? Yeah, okay. yeah it, it's a little. In- the the intrigue is intriguing. Yes, but apparently, the, the, I forget this guy's name. You know, I, I, some other names in here I do recognize, but the uh, the guy who now owns basically half the domestic airline world in in North America, whatever his name is, um, bought America. He started out with America West, bought America, and bought U.S. Airways. Um, he's kind of the the the, um, the grand poobah right now in the airline business, and mm-hmm. I'm sure has a lot of influence on A4A. And Delta is is uniquely not part of that orbit. Um, Parker, Doug Parker, mm-hmm. okay, who also happens to be A4A's chairman this year. 
He's a, he's the CEO of American Airlines. Oh, okay. Yep. And and again, American has absorbed uh, America West and U.S. Airways and, and probably some other carriers. Mm-hmm. Delta remains independent. United remains independent. Um, so they're they're just having this this uh, this little um, um, urination match, for lack of a better <laughs> yeah, okay. word. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. Another another doing, title possibly. Another another title. Uh, they're doing it in public, and I just think it's kind of funny. Uh, Delta's been a member of of A4A and its predecessor ATA as long as I can remember. And, mm-hmm, and yeah. my memory my memory goes back a ways on this, folks. So that's kind of a, this is kind of a big deal. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. There's the the, the headline is you know, the, the airlines have a policy dissent. In the in the past, they've been very monolithic. Yeah, they've been. Yeah, they've they've stuck together on a lot of these things. But there's there's your title. What's that? In the past, they've been very monolithic. It's, it's okay, a little long, but yeah, it has a potential. I'll write it down. I got a big list this week. Shoutouts. What's going on here? I'm going to do one first. A little bit of podcast administration. Um, we, we've um, I, I've announced this for the last couple episodes, and we've had a good response. And uh, I'm I'm kind of starting to decide how we want to proceed here. But one last time, let me announce that uh, UCAP is looking for a volunteer to work with us on the post-production of this podcast. Um, we're looking for someone um, who can help me, basically, uh, uh, work with, with myself and with Jeff Ward to uh, do a number of things, to edit the recording session, to clean up the weird noises, to add themes and disclaimers and bumpers, and to generate the MP3 file that we use for distribution. Um, this this task will require some experience with audio editing. Um, it, we've been using Audacity, the Audacity audio editor, but other editors could work. Uh, it takes about two to four hours for each episode. Uh, the scheduling is flexible, uh, but it, it kind of needs to happen in the first few days after uh, an, an episode, which is what it's not happened in the past. But the whole point here is to, to make it happen a little bit more quickly. Um, there's no pay for this, all right? Um, but there is the possibility of being part of the UCAP team at various aviation events. And, and of course, there's the bragging rights. And, and one of those shirts and, t- and mugs. I was going to say, we, now we have T-shirts. I know. One of those shirts and mugs might come your way as well, you know? So, uh, so we're looking for some help. I'm looking for some help because I don't like the fact that the episodes have been so irregular and, and, and late in coming out after they've been recorded. And, and uh, the time has come for me to, uh, to, uh, to uh, 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 what's the word? Not digress, to delegate some of this uh, some of this work so that we can make it a little bit more regular so if you think you might be the person who can help us with this um, um, email me care of podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com um, and uh, and tell me that you th- why you think you're the one or or if you have any questions about this ask me the questions there and uh, we'll get back to you um, a few people have already responded and I'm kind of trying to figure out how to uh, to uh, take advantage of this great resource of all these great volunteers but uh, um, if you, you know, the, the right guy might the right person might still be out there so uh, so uh, give us a holler that's uh that's my little administration thing here what else you guys got shout outs what's going on i got none you got nothing <laughs> you got nothing I, I got one more but jeb you got one yeah first? i got one this is to um uh don't know who he is don't know if he's a listener uh this is the guy who put together the stratix project yeah uh, he, uh-huh. he goes by the handle stranger with advice on reddit Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just give him a shout out for for putting this all together. I don't know if uh, he's the guy who originated this particular package. 
Uh, I don't know if if he's the guy who just had the nuts to uh, put it up on Reddit and and you know uh, kind of take it under his wing and and uh, modify it, issue new versions and, and things like that. But hats off to him. He, mm-hmm. he's, he's you know again, this is not earth shaking. It's not the end of the world. Um, it's not going to change aviation as we know it. But it's a nice little thing. And uh, if if you're into plugging electronics together. Um, I, you know, people I know like <coughs> Jim Goldman, cough, cough, yeah, um, right. might might be interested in something like this. Who knows? Yeah, no, he might be. I, I, I found it kind of interesting, and it, and it does work, and I'm going to continue to use it. Very cool. Very cool. Speaking of Jim G, one of the uh, bad boys of UCAP, um, his good friend, a very good friend of the podcast, um, and uh, he uh, um, has been has been the source of some of uh, both uh, uh, official and unofficial episodes of this podcast in the past, particularly dailies at Sun and Fun and, and Oshkosh. And uh, um, heard from Jim recently, who uh, tells us, uh, "quote unquote," um, I just got my LSRM AP and LSRM GL certificates. Uh, what are those, you ask? Uh, he writes, uh, light sport repairman certificates with maintenance ratings for both airplane and glider. Um, he was uh, he's in he owns a a, a CTLS uh, a, uh, LSA and uh, um, flies gliders and fly and is in the process of getting a uh, an ultralight uh, airworthy and so uh, he's he's really jumping in with both feet ever since yeah, he, ever since cool. he got rid of his 182 which he flew for years and years um, he's uh, got this uh, interesting. Uh, 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 collection of airplanes uh, in, in airplane types these days he's flying in both owns so uh, so this normally is once upon a time this would have gone on the uh, the uh, ucap uh, web page of fame but uh, that's kind of gone now so uh, so i'll do it as a shout out congratulations to jim jim g for uh, his uh, his his two lsrms uh, big time nice work nice work i still want to see pictures of the uh, the uh, ultralight which I believe is called like a 107. It's named after the part, I believe. 103. 103. Thank you. Excuse me. Um, and uh, I saw it in person uh, a bunch uh, a couple months back when I visited his place up there in northern New Hampshire. And uh, it's well, a cute little bird. It's a very cute little airplane. And uh, I, I'm curious. To, he was still in the process of finalizing the assembly process. And so, uh, looking forward to seeing pictures and hearing stories about that those yeah. uh, first yeah. flights. Congratulations. Yeah. Anything else? Or are we done here? Fork. Fork? Fork. Fork. Big thanks to you guys for uh, spending some time with me. It's always a fun, uh, and uh, and uh, I, I want to, and I'm looking for the right script is what I'm looking for here. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm making stretching. Uh, yeah, right. You're making a little stretching stretch, symbols, right? Yeah, right. Stretch, yeah. Yeah. Uh, among other things, Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. David, what you been working on? Anything fun? Oh, yeah, I've got a uh, story about uh, uh, Internet access in Part 23 airplanes in this month's uh, avionics news. Uh, doing my Friday BizAv blog on avbuyer.com and uh, trying to keep up the pace with uh, a couple other magazines. So it's never dull. Yeah, very, very cool. Where can people find about these things on the Internet? Uh, avbuyer.com will lead to their website. Uh, where I have the Friday blog called the the Biz Av blog, strangely enough, uh, AEA dot net for uh, avionics news, uh, and uh, I just do a Google search and throw a dart at the wall. There you go. 
and Jeb Burnside, uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief, editor editor in the beer is really good. Tonight. Easy for you to say. <laughs> the beer is really good tonight. All right, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. What have you been working on, Jeb? Uh, I also have an article in uh, November issue of Avionics News. Um, it's available online. Um, also on avionics, come to think about it. So, uh, uh, who, who'd have thunk it? Um, the uh, December issue of Aviation Safety is in the can. You can check that out at uh, uh, aviationsafetymagazine.com. I've uh, got a couple of other little projects coming up that I might be able to talk about down the road. Uh, and uh, right now, just uh, looking forward to getting some work behind me, some, some new work behind me, and uh, getting ready for the holidays. Nice, nice. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can follow me uh, at twitter.com slash jackhodgson. And you can learn more than you really wanted to know about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Big thanks to Jeff Ward for all his help with the show notes and in the forums. Uh, thanks to Mike Morgan, to Royce Earl, to Jim Goldman, and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. You can follow us uh, at t- Twitter, uh, where we are twitter.com slash Class G airspace. That's all one word. Class G, the letter G, airspace. Um, and you know, never know what might turn up there. Don't uh, forget to check us out uh, on the uh, rest of the UCAP website. You can uh, f- uh, chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. Uh, all that and much, much more at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Long life is easy to come by if you go fly because... Well, we know time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. So long. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. TTFN. <laughs>